This is the Woodland Hills Family Church Podcast. Our desire is to inspire you and your family to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Now enjoy today's message with Ted Cunningham. We are in a series called Check the Gages, and we're talking about how your personal wellness is tied to ministry effectiveness. And today, I've been, I've been excited for this for over a month, as we talk about part three, the financial gauge, uh, we want to give away an O'Reilly gift card to the person with the most miles on their vehicle. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do it here in the castle but we want you to participate at the chapel and out in the courtyard. And if I give you the final number from in here, and if you can beat it, uh, email the church office during this message, and we will send you an O'Reilly's gift card to keep your car going. So here's how we're going to give it away. If you have more than 100,000 miles on your car, would you please stand and make Dave Ramsey proud? Look around the room. Yeah. They're, oh, and they're proud. They're proud. A lot of Chiefs gear in the room today. Uh, all right. Okay. If you have more than 200,000, stay, stay. And we just lost all the Ford and Chevys. They all just went down. They went down hard. More than 300,000, stay standing. The rest of you may be seated. Oh, look at They're going to get cocky. You're going to see a lot of cocky in the room. All right. Let's just ask how many? How many? 402,000. Can you beat 402? No? 402, you got it. Come on down. McMurdo, ah. All right. We're going to see. You got to tell the truth. All right. Make and model. Make and model. Uh, Dodge 2002, Dodge 3500. Who believes a Dodge has 400,000 miles on it? Good job, man. Way to go. If you can beat 402, let us know. Anybody want to know what 815 mileage was? 528. It was on a Peterbilt. No, I'm just kidding. It was not a Peterbilt. It uh, was on a Hyundai. So what do you got? 810. You're a professional car guy. That's, is that fair? Yeah, I met you at the airport last week. He shows cars all over the country. All right, I'm going to get, like, you need an O'Reilly's gift card. You probably own O'Reilly's. I'm getting you a $50 gift card to O'Reilly's. I'm going to personally deliver it to you. Anyway, uh, 402. Today, we're talking about uh, how to have some reserves in the tank, not so you can live your best life now. So you can be generous and serve the Lord with your money. Live and give, right? That's what Dave says. Live and give like no one else. So let's start in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. Paul says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Let's start there with our theology. Money is not evil. It's the love of money. The pursuit of it. To, to make it all about us. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith. You know, you know them and you have that story and that may be your story. That you were chasing after something and you cut some corners and you made some decisions that you know did not honor the Lord and it cost you and your family. You wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. 
Jesus said this very clearly, Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And today we're going to put money in its rightful place. Today we're going to see the purpose of money, and we're going we're to look at how to make better decisions so we don't have to run on empty financially. So this is the joy of it, right? So that when we see need, we can meet it. When there's need in our family, when there's need in our community, I think it's the thing I'm most grateful for about our church is every year when we budget, the budgeting is real simple. We just take what was given the previous year, 90% of that becomes our budget for the next year. We automatically go into the new year with margin so that we can hear about a need during the week and we don't have to wait until Sunday to ask you to be generous so that we can send money to Maui, that we can send money to Florida, that we can send a truck from Convoy of Hope so that we can meet the need of a missionary in Haiti after an earthquake or to, to provide an oven as our Guatemala team did this week. I mean, we're able to do that because the generosity has already taken place and there's margin. And so we are able to tell you about what you've already done uh, each and every week and we're grateful for that. And we want that, we have that corporately, we want that individually for, for you and for your family. Paul goes on to say, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. Do you know anyone who's arrogant with money? You know anyone who makes a lot of money and they let you know how much they make and everything about them is impressing you with what they have or with what they make? Don't, hey, stop trying to keep up with the Joneses because the Joneses are broke. (laughs) The people you're trying to impress, they don't even like you anyway. So we're not going to be arrogant, and here's the key. Don't put your hope in it. We're going to look today, yes, put money aside for the future, but we're not driven by what the, the stock market's doing. Follower of Jesus, we, we, we've seen the highs and we've seen the lows, but our hope is not on Wall Street. Our hope is in the Lord our God who provides richly for us. Why do we not put our hope in all of this? Because it's so uncertain. And we've seen just time and time again, right? Fortunes gained, fortunes lost. So that's why we put our hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. And we're going to see today, you can own nice things, drive a nice car, live in a nice house, have your house down in Florida, your condo down in Florida. Do all of that so long as your priorities are straight. And one of the, one of the problems we have, and I'm kind of in the middle of the young and the old in our church, but when we're young, we want in three years what our parents spent 30 years accumulating. Look at all the old people. Uh, they just love that. Man, go after them, Ted. Just tear them limb for limb. Get Ramsey-ish on them. Tell them you're going to ruin the rest of their day and life. Okay, bring it down a notch because what we want to see is, listen, we need to be patient with everything we're talking about today. So I don't think you're going to leave here today. If you've got no money in the bank, I'm not telling you by Friday, you're going to have thousands of dollars and everything's going to be straight. We've said, if you're on E, at least have a plan for what it's going to take to get to the reserve. We're going to talk a lot about the plan today. So we're not arrogant. We don't put our hope in it. It's uncertain. We put our hope in God. I don't know if you do this when you read the Bible. There are times I'm reading the Bible and I become very judgmental about the person that's being corrected. Do you do this when you read the Bible? The Israelites, they're provided manna and water in the desert. Days later, they forget and start whining and complaining. I'm like, what's your problem, people? 
come on, we, and, but I'm reading, I'm reading it. How can you forget? Why are you so forgetful? And that's the moment the Holy Spirit convicts us, which he does as we read, and we realize, oh, wait a second, I'm a forgetful person too. You're forgetful. Why? We are all forgetful people. We read in Deuteronomy. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God. You read that time and time again. He has provided for you and he'll continue to provide. Remember the Lord your God. And this is what's important to understand about giving. Every time you give, follower of Jesus, you are reminding yourself that none of it is yours in the first place. You're reminding yourself that it's all his. And so you are remembering the Lord every time you give. Remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. In other words, when you're whining and complaining, saying this to the Israelite, when you're whining and complaining, you're even forgetting about the fact that I brought you out of Egypt. I brought you out of slavery. I dropped food out of the sky for you. Don't ever forget what the Lord has done for you. And that is a lesson for all of us today. Don't ever forget how well you've been provided for. And be honest about money mistakes. Be honest of not being a good steward. Some of us think my problem is I do need more money. No, today we're going to look at the fact is it's, what are you doing to steward the money you already have? And do it well. But we can, this, this to me, this clip from the movie Shenandoah, I've shown it before, but it's one of my favorite Jimmy Stewart clips. It's 22 seconds. But this is exactly what Deuteronomy is sharing with us. This is an arrogant prayer. Lord, we cleared this land. We plowed it, sowed it, and harvested. We cooked the harvest. It wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be eating it if we hadn't done it all ourselves. We work dog bone hard for every crumb and morsel, but we thank you just the same anyway, Lord, for this food we're about to eat. Amen. Maybe you've never said it, but we've felt it. We've felt it. I did this. I provided this. And so we've been going through these gauges. In week one, we looked at the rest that we need, and some of you are running on E there, and it's created a mess in your emotional gauge, and you're depleted emotionally. Today, we'll see. I mean, some of you are, are struggling and surviving, and you have no reserve. You can't give. You barely can take care of yourself. And, and you know that the financial gauge being depleted has led to a lot of relational emptiness. Dave Ramsey says, this is why you don't let your children or you don't borrow money to people. If you borrow money rather than give it to family members, Thanksgiving dinner will never taste the same. And some of you have that story. You borrowed money to family or you gave money to family. You watched them use it poorly and it's just affected the relationship. And in all of this, we have to make the decision in that spiritual gate. Are we going to serve God or serve money? And I want to be full. I want reserve in the tank so that when there is need in my family, I can meet it. When there is need in our church, we can meet it. When there's need in our community, we can meet it. There's no greater joy. The Guatemala team came back late last night, and they will tell you, as they provided for the physical needs in feeding centers and as they provided for the needs of missionaries who will go six months without getting an oven fixed, 
to say, what does he have, an $800? Just, just go buy it. There's no greater joy than to see, need, and meet it. And when you're financially healthy and you have some in the tank, you're able to do that. Paul says this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 12. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to be plenty. How many of you in here, no matter where you are today, at some point in your life, you know what it means to be in need? How many of you know what it is to live in plenty? Become friends with those people raising their hands right now. <laughs> he says, I have learned the secret of being content. And when we see secrets, sometimes we go, uh, well, am I going to be able to figure this out? Yeah, it's going to be real easy for you because the secret is Jesus. That's the secret. He, he says, the secret of being content in any and every situation. You have to tie verse 12 to verse 13. We all know verse 13, for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That verse is not in your Bible for sports teams. That's not why it was placed there. It's not to pray before you go out onto the field. You can pray it, go for it, but it's not to guarantee you a victory. It doesn't say you can do whatever you want because of Christ and his strength. That verse 13 is saying, I have learned that through Christ, I can live in extreme circumstances, extreme highs, extreme lows. I can do it all through Christ who strengthens me. You see it right here in verse 12. In any and every situation, here or here, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. So today we want to talk to five people and put five people in mind as we get very practical with this. How to encourage you so you can have some in the tank, so you can be effective in ministry. And some of you might be new to our church going, they must be having budget problems. The pastor got the tithing message out. (laughs) Nope. There's no money problems, but our desire as a church is to be a generous church. Our desire for you is to be a generous follower of Christ. And I mean, it's flowing out of you. And you gotta, you have to have something in the tank. You have to get to a place where you know how not to live on E. And so we, we, we're going to talk to these five people. There's some of you in here on E right now, and you're surviving. You require financial assistance to get by. And you need to know this church practices Acts 2 and Acts 4. Our desire is to gather and pool our resources so that we can help those in our church that are are surviving. And we do. I can tell you after 20 years, legitimate needs get met in this church in significant ways. And we want that for you. And every time I share this, there are people that freak out a little bit going, the floodgates are going to open. There's going to be a mad rush on the benevolence fund. It's never happened. And we're not worried about it. We really aren't. Because if you have a real need in this church, would you allow your church family to meet it? Would you please let us know? I'm not, this is a hard, but you need to put your pride aside and say, I need help. Let, let your church family practice that with joyful hearts, man, they sold what they had and they brought it to the gathering so that they could distribute to those who were in need. That's why it's important to be a part of a church. We meet the needs of one another. And I do want to encourage you, before you ask for a need, to be met, we don't want to go on Facebook and see your pictures from Disney last week. <laughs> because we don't just start doing this. We, we understand that what we're talking about today is a stewardship and discipleship issue. We're not just going to hand you money. We're going to help you. Like, how are you in this situation? We had it in the first gathering. Like, 
you're in this situation, you need hotel rooms or whatever, and you may hear people online go, Woodland Hills doesn't meet needs, and they didn't meet my needs. No, we did, but what's the plan? Let us help you beyond just a check or a gift card or groceries if you're surviving. There are some of you that require financial assistance. Some of you, you're day-to-day. You're making it. You don't ever ask for help, but you, you're like, you're going to work today to eat today. You're going to work tomorrow, and I've, I've had a lot of folks over the years, I know in our church, that have went to work for someone at their house, and they can't wait till payday Friday. They're saying, I don't want you to pay me for not working, but can you, is there any way you can pay me at the end of today? We know that there are those family members in our church. There are some of you who are stable. You're making ends meet, but no money for extras. We know that 61% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. And you're able to go Friday to Friday or every other Friday to every other Friday, but it's, it's just enough for your basic needs for you and your family. Then there are those who are secure. You make ends meet, and you do have some left over. You go out to eat. You go on vacation. You have the 401K. And then there are those in our church with surplus. You not only have enough for you and your family, you have enough for your children and their children. You have generational wealth. We... In 2018, five years ago, we asked you to fill out a survey. It was all confidential. 510 people responded, individuals and families. And so we were able to get like real data from our church, and this is what the numbers showed. Just a a little over 6% were surviving, requiring assistance. I, I need you to know, these are church family members. It may be a little different five years later. I don't know what the pandemic did and, and PPP, uh, but... I do know we, there's a percentage of our church that needs help, and that's, that's why we're a church. There are those that are struggling, 8%. About 30% are paycheck to paycheck, making it meet, but nothing really at the end. But, you know, over 50% are secure and, and have surplus. I want to talk to this group right here first, the surviving and struggling. And this is, I'm not going to go all Dave Ramsey today, but I do like what he shares about the four walls. What do you do if you're surviving? Again, you don't even know how to move forward. These are the four walls and in order. Your first priority when you have nothing is food. It's the first first thing you pay for. And that's why that's the fastest, quickest, easiest, almost no questions asked money that we give at this church. We want to make sure every single person on this campus today eats today. And that, church, we all can agree, that's super simple. That doesn't take a formula or anything too difficult. So we make sure you eat. After that, and people were a little confused after our first gathering, like, so you're telling us not to pay mortgage. If, if you are in a tight spot and you can only pay some bills, he says, these, these are the bills you pay in order. You pay your utilities, then you pay your shelter, and then you pay your transportation. And you've probably watched Dave Ramsey on Reels or maybe on the radio show, and he says, go work with your bank at the 90-day mark when your car is going to be repoed and see if you can give them one payment to keep that from happening and work out a plan with them. Go to your landlord. But cover your four walls. And when I think about the four walls, I'm constantly thinking about our benevolence because this is where Woodland Hills Family Church, we meet needs. If you wonder where does the mercy offering go to, where does benevolence go to, the money is given in these four areas. And that's why we ask questions and we help people. We want to make sure they have things in order. We don't want them making a car payment if they're not going to eat that day. Does this make sense? Cover your four walls if you're surviving or struggling. Because we, we do. We live with this myth. There are some of you going, this isn't what I want to hear. Like, I, I, want, I want some, some, some real help on how to get rich quick. Uh, 
that's a whole nother conference and seminar that I don't lead. <laughs> but here's a myth. A little more money will solve all my problems. Not true. Not true. You understand, going back to that chart, Katie, if you put the last chart up for just a second, you understand there are people in this church that make thirty dollars to $50,000 a year that are in the secure and surplus. Because I know when you see this, you're thinking, this is high-capacity people. No, there are people in our church that, that are, are doing okay, and they don't have six-figure incomes. Then you know we have people in our church that have six-figure incomes that are surviving and struggling. You're going, that makes no sense to me. Well, that's why we want to talk about stewardship and discipleship today. How do we handle money well? Because a little more money is not going to solve all your problems. Dave Ramsey says it this way, more money makes you more of what you already are. Whatever you are, good or bad, is going to get bigger when you add wealth to the mix. Let's talk about lotto winners. You've seen the shows. People that don't have money skills coming into millions of dollars end up broke again. You've seen it with professional athletes. You pour millions and millions of dollars into their account. You're, and all of us have asked the question, how in the world could that happen? How, how did they end their, their sports career broke? Today we're really going to address the bad decisions that we make, but I also want to recognize this is so important. Some of you are in a financial crisis and are on empty at, at no fault of your own. We, I mean, we've worked with all these folks. Some of you, um, you had a spouse that took out a credit card that you didn't know about and took you deep into debt and then divorced and then you know, you're trying to dig out of all of that. And it was nothing that you did. It was nothing you even knew about until it was too late. And now you're on empty. For some, it was a health crisis. You, you never saw it coming and you weren't prepared. And, and you're like, yeah, I could have made decisions. I could have had coverage. I could have done more. But the health crisis, some of you were fired. Some of you had a store, a restaurant, business closed, and you weren't prepared for it. And and you had to go two, four weeks, and, but it really wasn't your decision. There's newlyweds in the room who are in here trying to get into the housing market in their 20s, and they're competing with cash investors from out of state and companies and all that. And they're, I mean, so there's a lot of things going on around us that we always can't control. I, there's even people in our church, drought brought them to this area. One of my favorite songs from country music theologian Garth Brooks is <laughs> track 11 on the No Fences album. You never heard it on the radio. It never became a number one hit. It's one of my favorite songs because it sings like a lament, as we looked at last week. It's, it's a prayer. But it starts off, it just, I just, I, don't, I didn't look up who the songwriter is, but it is, the lyrics are some of my favorite. I listened to it coming back from Nashville late last night, and, and uh, I was already in the Nashville-Branson mood. You know what I'm talking about. And I was, I was belting out the hits down 60. And... And let me read you. I'm not going to read them all. But, but you'll see the compare and contrast here of a rancher. I've been all night driving heifers closer into lower ground. Then I spent the morning thinking about the ones the wolves pulled down. And then he brings it into a family situation. Charlie Barton and his family stopped by today to say goodbye. He said the bank was taken over. The last few years were just too dry. Mm, let's go there. And here's the prayer. This is what I love. Lord, please shine a light of hope on those of us who fall behind. 
And when we stumble in the snow, could you help us up while there's still time? Well, I don't mean to be complaining, Lord. You've always seen me through. And I know you got your reasons for each and everything you do. But tonight outside my window, there's a lonesome, mournful sound. And I just can't keep from thinking about the ones the wolves pulled down. Oh, Lord, is how it ends. Keep me from being the one the wolves pulled down. And some of you feel it. And so your prayer today, I, I hope you leave encouraged. I don't want the tone that you've, you've, you've heard the tone. It's like you're in debt, you're not making enough money, and so I'm going to ruin the rest of your life for seven years so you can get healthy. You know, I, I want you to, to earn so that you can give and then you can live but that you can understand God's plan and purpose for your finances. So let's look at five keys to moving from surviving to surplus for everyone in here, whether you make 25000 a year or over 100000 a year. And the first one is real simple. Be diligent. Work hard. Get a side hustle. Proverbs 10, 4 through 5, lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. He who gathers crops in summer is a prudent son. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but if I were to say, hey, parents, raise your hand if you have a son or a daughter who's crushing it, like making good money, they work hard, and you'll see it on the faces of parents. Yes, that's my kid. I love speaking at the link here every January, and I always kind of remind them, as you are crying out for your independence from your parents, it's hard to do when they pay for everything. It is. But, but you, want, you, want, you see it. You see it in parents when their kids are able to get out on their own and provide for themselves. But he who sleeps during harvest is a disgraceful son. Here's the, here's the model. If you're looking for the model, how do I reorganize my finances if I'm surviving or struggling? If you have plenty and you're wondering, like, what do I do with it, and you're still earning Dave Ramsey says, your greatest wealth-building tool is your income in your 20s, 30s, and 40s. So let this be your model. If you're a parent in here and you have preschoolers, this is when you start teaching. Earn, give, save, spend, and in that order. Get out there, earn some money, and do what my dad did. He brought me downstairs, and he had envelopes set out, and we had a tithe envelope, a missions envelope, a savings envelope, and a spending envelope. The spending envelope was always empty. <laughs> you ain't got time to spend, son. Get out there and make more. And so we'd go back through the deal. Some of you have this all backwards. Some of you have stopped earning all together in the last few years, and you love the checks coming in, and you love the spending part, and that was over here, and that's why we're in a mess. Get back to being diligent, earn it, and let your very first thought not be, what can I get? Let your first thought be, what can I give? And I'm not going to debate anybody out of this message on tithing. I always have someone come up and go, I want to argue with you about the law of tithing. That's a non-tither arguing with me about the law of tithing. <laughs> and I go, you will never get me to move away from, from the biblical principle throughout of first fruits. When you give first, you are remembering the Lord your God. And you are reminding yourself in that gift, this is not mine. And by the way, God doesn't own 10% of it. He owns 100% of it. And you are not an owner. You are a steward. You are a manager. 
And it's all his. And that gift, that first fruit, is just a reminder that he owns it all. It is, it is gratefulness that he has given you breath that you're taking right now comes because he is the creator and sustainer of all life. And it's all his. And we give first. And then after you give, put some away. And I'm not getting in, everybody was like, what are the formulas and how much? I am not a financial expert. It's why I don't touch the money at this church. I don't count money. I don't spend it. It's I let everybody else write the checks. But put something away. And then at the end, you can spend. And after, so let's go into give. Number two, be generous. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Recognize that. I I hope you find the joy in it. I have a friend that that, uh, just was very successful in a a venture here in Branson. and, And he called me and he's like, man, I'm so excited. And I'm ready to invest again. And we were talking about it. And I go, hey, before you invest... Give, give. And, and I know we're thanking the Lord right now for how he's blessed you, but let's also remember that there are other people now that you get to bless. And I, he called me back. He goes, what joy. The joy I, yeah, thank you for the reminder before I went out and got my new wakeboard boat, right? Uh, give. You can own a wakeboard boat. I'm, nobody's telling you not to do that. We're not that. That's not us at all. But, but, but. First fruits, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Proverbs also goes on to say, and this is a text I love, one man gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. A generous man will prosper and he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Be someone after you earn that refreshes. Man, what if this week at work, you're sitting there thinking, man, when I get paid this week, who can I bless? What can I give? I mean, just if that's your first response. Remember uh, years ago, radio stations, I think were the first place I started hearing it, that pay it forward campaign. We did it here. A couple people did it here in Branson. So you would go through a drive through at Starbucks, McDonald's, and you would pay for the people behind you. And then people would call into the radio station. Somebody bought my coffee. I just can't get over it. I was so broke and I didn't have the money. Well, then you shouldn't be in the Starbucks. Anyway, I didn't want to get into all that. I never liked those stories. It's like that you're broke because you go to Starbucks every morning. Sorry, that wasn't even, that's not the point of this illustration. But... So that pay it forward campaign became, I thought it was cool. I thought it was fun. I participated. It was fun. I, I even had a couple times, I knew the person in front of me and I honked and I go, hey, pay it forward. <laughs> Some of you, and, and if you've seen this clip, uh, 8.15, I had a few jokers that ruined this for me. So just hold in your laughter. Don't ruin the punchline on this. If you've seen the clip, but I'm going to encourage all of you to go look for the clip. It's been shared like a million and a half times in the last week. But one of my heroes, one of my preaching heroes is Chuck Swindoll down in Texas. And he's 88 years old now. His voice is a little shaky, but he's still, he's bringing it. Like, and he read this story recently, and I about fell over. My son actually sent it to me. I'm going to read it for you. This is a fresh take on Pay It Forward. The guy says, I'm 83 years old. I was in the McDonald's drive-thru this morning. The young lady behind me leaned on her horn and started mouthing some ugly things. 
because I was taking too long to place my order. So when I got to the first window, I paid for her order along with my own. The cashier must have told her what I had done because as we moved forward, she leaned out her window and waved to me and began mouthing, thank you, thank you. Probably feeling embarrassed that I had repaid her rudeness with kindness. When I got to the second window, I showed the server both receipts and I took her food too. Now she has to go back to the end of the line and start all over again. Here's the moral of the story. Don't blow your horn at old people. We've been around for a long time. That is probably going to be a story I use over and over and over again. So this is for all of us, everybody in the room, wherever you are, with the gauge. What do you need to give up this week so you can give next week? What do you need to give up? What sacrifice do you need to make? And, and do it now. Some of you are like, I got a big estate plan. I meet with an estate planner. And some of you are, I'll just be honest, you're waiting too long to give. I, I, I had a friend that called me years ago and he said, Ted, I just met with the attorney and when I die, I want you to know how much I'm going to give. I go, well, let's celebrate it now. Give it now. Why wait? And he goes, well, you never know. I go, I don't want to break the news to you, but you're 89. If you spend $300,000 a year, you're good till about 140. And that's why I love what John Maxwell says. He says, this is his plan. I'm giving while I'm living, so I'm knowing where it's going. And let that be true for you. Giving while you're living, so you're knowing where it's going. Be generous. Let's be a generous people. Let's continue to give well. Number three, be prepared. So this is the save part. We've earned, we've give, now we are going to save. And it's key, and I'm not going to get into percentages, and there's financial planners in here going, this is the time to tell them, Ted, how it all works. It's like, find somebody good. In the house of the wise, Proverbs 21:20 says, are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all he has. After you get that deposit into your account, look at it, give 10%, tithe off of it. Go beyond that and give to missions. Like, let's get crazy here. Give offering, give to family members in need, then figure out what percentage needs. And some of you are like, you're crazy. You have no idea how much I make. I bet you we can find room in your budget. I think, there, I think all of us today can find room in the spending next week. Some of you are going to be able to give today, and you do. You give week in, week out. You give all the time. But there are others in here you have never, ever honored the Lord with first fruits. You've never thought about giving first. Give, but then, then save. Put something away. If you've never met with a financial planner, that's my only application for you today. Go meet with someone who can... I sit down once a year with Edward Jones, and we talk through where it is, and the good news is I'm going to be able to retire at 84. <laughs> I only plan on living to 76, so I think I got a pretty good plan. What did Johnny W. say? We got plenty of money so long as we die by Tuesday. 
Number four, be cautious. So, so now we're getting into the spending. If you can't pay cash, you don't, you don't need it. Just stop, just stop buying all this stuff. And, and I, I, oh, I hate the predatory loans and I hate the pay, you know, buy now, pay later and payday loans and all of that. And some of, listen, some of you need to reel back the spending, bring it way, way back and get healthy in that area. And it, the, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is the servant to the lender. We are servants of the Lord. This is, why, this is truly why we want to be financially healthy. I want to serve the Lord, not money. I don't want to get up every day and think about uh, financial crisis and figure out, oh, no, I mean, and I know we've all been there at some point dealing with money. I get all of that. But that, that, that we wouldn't let the physical gauge and the emotional gauge and the relational gauge get depleted because we're, we're spending too much. And on, can I just say it, nonsense sometimes, just utter nonsense, stuff we don't need and stuff we're throwing away. Be cautious, cautious with debt. Don't jump into it. Don't, you know, I've, I've told this story before. Our first youth pastor, doesn't matter who it is, his name's Ben Ambule. <laughs> and he gave me permission to tell this story. But I do remember going, he asked me if I'd go up to Springfield to help him buy his first, you know, car. Like he was going to buy, he had the, the one when he was at the institute and in college was you know, given to him by his parents. This was his first one. And we go up to Springfield. The very first vehicle he gets in is an Escalade. And we're walking toward him. I'm like, what are you doing? He goes, let's just see it. I go, no, don't even get in it. Don't be grasped by its stare. Like I was like, just don't get, we got in it. And I'm in the passenger seat just going, and I'm, I'm, I'm what, I'm 30 years old. I am not a brilliant guy with money yet either. And he goes, this is really nice. I go, yeah. Plush leather, Bose speakers, it's all pretty awesome. He goes, you think I can afford it? No. No. The guy goes, hey, we got a mountaineer over there. Let's go look at that. And Ben goes, and we got in the mountaineer. He goes, I don't like it as much. I, uh. Ben got the Escalade. Look at, sorry, Ben, you told me I could share this story. Ben got the Escalade. I'll never forget, like, two weeks after filling that thing up. He came in the office. He goes, I'm thinking about trading it in on a, a deal. Just because you can afford a payment doesn't mean you can afford a vehicle. So be cautious with this. There's nothing wrong, Dave Ramsey says, with owning some nice things. Just don't let your nice things own you. Every square inch you own owns you. You, you get that car, they go, hey, we can, you know, you want 70? We can get this spread out over 72 months. You, when you get in that car six years in, you are going to be. <laughs> so how do I keep this stuff from owning us? Pastor Eugene Cho says it this way. Generosity is what keeps the things we own from owning us. When you get excited about driving a Dodge 400,000 miles, I hope you make it past half a million so you can give. So you can give. So you can give to the Lord, to your family, and you can provide. And just in all of this, if I can encourage you, number five, and young people, this is for you, wanting in three years what your parents spent 30 years, just be patient. Be patient. You, you don't need it all right now. You can, you, you can take your time. Dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. Download a compounding interest calculator app today and just have fun with it. I'm not one of these guys. I see all the ads all the time. Ted, if you stop drinking coffee at 65, you'll have $8 million. 
And if you never go out to eat again, you'll have $72 million. When you're, you've seen all those things that tell you, basically, stop living life altogether so when you're dead, your children can have a lot of money. <laughs> Pastor Tommy Nelson. Pastor Tommy Nelson says, you make sure the last check you write in life is to your children. Just make sure it bounces. <laughs> Would you pray with me? Father, uh, we're grateful. I, this, is, this is a topic a lot of people just don't like to talk about. I know this is one of the most stressful conversations in a marriage, and couples don't want to discuss it, and, and, and they're depleted in it because they won't have the conversation, that today would be a day uh, that they begin to make a plan. They just sit down and have an honest look, just with the simple earn, give, save, spend, like to begin to reorganize so they don't have to live in the stress of what are we going to do today to eat. We know there's a percentage of our congregation that lives there, and, and we want to come alongside them as a church, to assist them, yes, but then to help them to get to a place where they're stable and secure. All of this is so that we do not forget you and that we never serve money, but we serve you with it. You are the Lord, our God, and we trust you and we put our hope in you. We put our faith in you and we are grateful. The one who's never placed faith in Jesus, that today would be the day of their salvation that they would confess with their mouth Jesus as Lord, believe in their heart that he has been raised from the dead, that they would confess their sins before you today. Meet with somebody from our prayer team to get this all started today. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray it. And everyone agreed and said, amen. amen. Love you all. See you next week. at me, Katie, Katie. Hey, as you're walking out, you'll hear it in the courtyard. Keep walking out. We take an offering at Woodland Hills Family Church. Can you believe it? What a terrible Sunday to forget this. Four ways you can give. Give an offering box is located in the back. Go to the church center app. Hit give online now at woodhills.org. Text any amount to ape. I got so fired up about leaving our children no money. I, uh, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children. I want you to know that. Uh, make sure you're generous and we say thank you for your generosity.